0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Life Undefined. I am excited to start 2023 with some intentions of creating more consistent content for everyone. So I just want to welcome everyone back. And thanks to everyone who has chosen to listen over the past year and a half and continues to cheer me on about creating more content. So I'm excited to get this year started. Let's get started with the first episode for 2023. This next guest has a magnetic personality that I've never experienced before. He's the kind of person whose energy, outlook, and mindset are contagious. He has a gift for working with youth, and he's clearly been placed here to share his personal experiences, challenges, but most of all, positivity to motivate students of all ages. He's a visionary when it comes to engaging and mentoring kids from all walks of life, and he uses the sport of basketball To not only teach the fundamentals of the game, but to use it as a conduit to teach life lessons that go far beyond the court. I've only known him for a short time, but it feels like we've been family forever. So I'd like to welcome Anthony Smith to the show.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you, Yvonne, for having me.
0: (laughs) Don't sound Uh, off. You're so modest right now.
1: This is a lot of fun. (laughs) It's funny. I'm glad you brought me out here. Yeah, thank
0: (laughs) you for coming. Um, So just to start off, tell us just a little bit about yourself where you come from and kind of how you are, how you got to where you are now.
1: Yeah, um, I am from the south side of uh, Tucson. Uh, I moved to south Tucson when I was seven with my mom, and um, that was an experience, you know. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. My
0: my family's from south Tucson as well, so so I
1: know. Our our street was jumping always right like sirens and, and we're, we're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had the sirens jumping we and it's like we live just a couple streets down from like the South Tucson Police Department mm-hmm. and so anytime they fire up like everybody knows what's going on but it was a different I I was when I was born we lived on like Valencia and Cardinal that's kind of like out there a West little more side. quiet like you know like it's um, a different place. And so uh, once my mom had moved out, we, we moved in there when I was seven, and uh, I still went to the same school, so I was around the same people, so I felt, like, comfortable. Um, what schools did you go to, by the way? I went to Drackman. I went to a lot of schools. Okay,
0: me too. So, yeah, I, know.
1: I, I went to Miller. <laughs>
0: I went to Miller. <laughs> I went to
1: Miller. Of course, way I, before yeah, you went to Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Drachman. My mom worked at Drachman, so I went to Drachman. We would drive all the way from Valencia and Cardinal to, like, downtown, you know. Uh, yeah. And, uh... So, I don't know, I just grew up, like, when you're, you know, you have kids too, so when you're in the school and your parent works there, you got to be there, like, two hours before everybody else, and so it gets old real quick, mm-hmm. and then after school, I'm running around to, like, 6 o'clock, because I got to be there past everybody, the last yeah. kid getting picked up. So, I, I feel like, at a young age, I just was, like, tired of the school, like, quick, mm-hmm. but being in that area, um, I knew all the all the kids in the neighborhood, we all went to the same school, And it was just me kind of trying to fit in. It was me and my mom um, trying to teach me how to be, you know, respectful. And she worked at the school, so it was like, no. Oh, you had to be on it. Oh, no. You know, and the monitors would be like, do you want me to take your mom? So I couldn't do nothing. Couldn't (laughs) run in between the swings. Do you want me to take your mom? So, um, yeah, I kind of just grew up, like, always around school. I I didn't, like, the schoolwork wasn't hard. It was just, like, long days and, uh, you know. So at a young age... I kind of was just I would show up to school, go because my mom was there. And then we went from so from Drackman, um, there was like a year where I went to Miller, then I went back to Drackman. And after Drackman, I went to Carrillo. OK. And, uh, you know, Carrillo was like my first kind of step away from my mom because she wasn't at Carrillo. She was at Drackman.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And so I, I'm not saying I got in tr- like, I was always the kind of the kid that everyone else was kind of rowdy. I was kind of funny, class clownish, but I wasn't as bad as everybody else, so Mm -hmm. I kind of was all right, got away with it. And um, as I got older and grades, I just kind of started to, and I'm not going to say it was like the neighborhood that took me away from school, but Mm -hmm. it was just kind of getting old, and I just hated the repetition of it and over and over, like I have to read 10 chapters to do one test. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and so uh, I would miss school. I'd miss school, you know, here and there. And my mom had to work. And at the time, she stopped working at Drakman and went to work at um, La Frontera. Oh, okay. And so that was like right when I was seven. She worked there, so I'd go to Correo, and then I'd walk to La Frontera after school. Got it. And so she did like a little. Um, it was kind of like a, like a waiting room for people that were doing therapy. Their kids could go in there, mm-hmm. and the crazy stories we heard in that little room. Were wild, but my mom always sat there and was like, Oh wow, oh, is he okay? Like, she hit him over the head with the frying pan and 10 <laughs> stitches. Well, Lisa wasn't 20, and I'm sitting there playing Legos, like, This lady's crazy. And but the kids would just come in and talk to her. And I, I kind of so I, I grew up around kids that were going through things that other kids probably weren't, yeah. Um, but I saw her kind of handle it with grace, and so I kind of knew. You know, I just kind of picked up on it. She, she taught me a lot yeah. from a young age. Um, she worked at Warren. Okay. So she was a kindergarten teach like a kindergarten teacher's aide at Warren. So, like, when I was four, I'm in school yeah. with her. And she'd be like, sit right there, and huh, huh, <laughs> we're going to, and I'm like, okay. So they, they did her the favor of letting me go to school with her, and it was my job to make sure I didn't do anything crazy. I didn't burn the place down. Yeah. And so um, I've always been around kids with kind of disabilities Kids with, and I just didn't realize it, plus Mm -hmm. kids in my family, or like kids in my neighborhood. Yeah. And those are like my friends. So I have two older brothers and an older sister, but they're way older than me. Okay. And they have a different dad than me. I'm the only one that's black in my family. Okay. Growing up, I had no clue. Like you, I look back at the pictures and it looks well, like.
0: Well, and you are light skinned Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly,
1: exactly, <laughs> totally. So I feel you just look Puerto Rican. Exactly, exactly. So my my brother and sister they're like half white and half Mexican. So I know that we don't look the same, but mm-hmm. I just grew up in a house that was very like, hey, whatever. Yeah. What do you want? You know? Oh, you want pizza, but he wants spaghetti. It is what it is. Or yeah. You want to eat leftover? It was not like everything. You know, sit at the table together, do this, and so I never really knew. When I went to school, was when it would be like. All right, no, you're over here with us, Mm. you know, and I'd be like, uh, and it's funny because, um, like my real dad is black, but he was never really in my life. Okay. So my mom was married for 26 years and had three kids and was married all that time. So he took us in. So I knew him as my dad. Okay. So I'm in the house with everybody like, Hey, this is what we're doing. So as they were going through it, that's why we would be moving. And okay. I would always be the one that went with her. And it Got wasn't it. like they don't want you there. It was just like, it's me and you mm-hmm. and we're gonna go here. Okay. My sister would come with us sometimes, sometimes she wouldn't. She's eleven years older than me. Okay. And so she had that choice, you know. Um, but it was kinda weird, but the way we handled it like worked out perfect for me. It was mm-hmm. like, All right, well it's different, everybody's different. And, you know, I'm seeing other families that are way worse than mine. So I'm like, well, it's yeah. not a problem here. Everybody's cool. They didn't, like, fight or anything mm-hmm. like that. They just had crazy agreement, I guess. I don't know how that worked. So but,
0: diversity in all kinds oh of, like, my families oh,
1: yeah. and, like, Completely. seeing these kids. And, and then going yeah. to those schools, like, they're magnet schools. So you have kids from everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I just grew up, like, no problem. I didn't, I didn't think of it as an issue. Um, my mom would try to, like, prepare me, and that's the funny part. It's like an old little Mexican lady with a flower dress. <laughs> it's like, mijo. There's gonna be people that don't like you because like the color of your skin and just you know it doesn't have and I'm like what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, I'm like Mikey's darker than me. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, <laughs> and we're laughing. It's like he's Mexican, like yeah. Right? So for I sure. never, I never really saw it in that way. Um, but then I have to be aware of it at the same time, mm-hmm. and so that was probably the weirdest part in school, being like. Mixed breed, like, okay, cool, this, that. Where do I fit yeah, in? Yeah, like, when I was in going? high school, I had a story in high school. I, when I was in high school, they came in, like, I'm at Tucson High, and they're like, all African-American uh, students, please report to the, like, the town hall something center for the assembly. And I'm like, I don't know, what? Like, And so I'm <laughs> looking, looking around. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking around, like, uh, <laughs> And my, teacher's, my teacher was like, are you going to go, or and I'll never forget that. Like, are you wow. going to go? or? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go. So now I'm like, I guess I'm going. So I go in there, and then I see all these people. And I'm like, man, there's like, there's so many different types of people. Yeah. And it's crazy because it's like, if you have a little bit of African-American in you, it's like, all right, well, come on in. We all have to be mm-hmm. aware of some of these things that go on. Yeah. And into that was like in high school. That's 20-some years ago. To all the world that it is today, it's like the same stuff. So I, I kind of picked up along the way. Um, kind of who I was and that it was okay it was, and my mom was super accepting of everyone she'd always tell me uh little things like like they everybody has a story and mm-hmm. they might be mad right now but they're not mad at us yeah we didn't do anything so that's why she would always kind of like, insert don't take herself th- yeah oh that yeah. that makes a lot yeah. of sense
0: of some of the experiences you and I have had yeah. where I'm just like why and how are you so <laughs> Yeah. calm and yeah. positive about this yeah, well you have to check me I actually go to you to check me
1: so <laughs> you know it's like and that happened to me before I mean I've been a young kid as a young boy you're trying to fit in and it's all I'm super sensitive like I'm raised by my mom mm-hmm. I'm like an only child it feels like because yeah. all my siblings are way older um and then you start to learn like well I can't I can't be crying all the time for this, or just because someone yells at me, I can't uh, show it. Now I'm gonna be out. Now I'm around all these people. Now I have to figure out, and that's where you start to build this like shell around who you really are to fit in mm-hmm. with how things are. And in my neighborhood, that was like a pretty important thing. Like you're gonna get picked if you're not if you're if you're not a certain way, you're gonna get picked on. And so you have to kind of you know build a shell and stick up for yourself and do certain things that maybe you wouldn't do, but yeah. And then sometimes you get lost in that and it takes you a little bit further away. And I think the combination of that is what took me away from school.
0: Okay, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so it's like, um, all right, so we'll get into the crazy story. (laughs) So I'm 10. So we lived there for three years. I'm 10 years old. I'm staying home. um, And my mom went to work. She works at La Frontera. It's just down the street. I wake up and there's like a man standing outside my window and I'm getting cereal, and I'm looking out the window. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? And I see him, and he's standing. He has a screwdriver, and he has a hammer. And I knew right away, like, oh, he's trying to break into the house. Mm-hmm. So I run to the couch. I grab my blanket. I'm trying to hide under the window that he's coming in. I know, it's crazy. I'm trying to hide under the window that he's coming It's a small place. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what the square footage is. But it's tiny. And uh, it's a duplex. So okay. even it's already small, and it's cut in half. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I'm trying to hide the window slides open and I lose it. Like, I just jump out. I close the window on the guy. I punch him. He falls out the window. He runs off. I'm calling my mom at work. Cause like in my neighborhood, if you call the cops, everybody's going to come to your house later and be like, what was that about? And like, what were you trying to do? And who are you telling? South Tucson, right? Exactly. So I'm calling my mom. She comes home. She's like, we have to call the cops. I'm like, right, do what you got to do. So she calls the cops, and um, they show up, and I'm afraid to tell them that I hit the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm getting in trouble. I'm not getting in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble. I know. I totally what I thought. Uh, and so she's like, no, you got to tell him. And I'm like, I'm not telling him. Then the guy's like, you, you could tell me, you know. And so I told him, like, look, I punched the guy. So he's like, all right, come with me. I get in the car. We drive down the street, and literally two streets over, He'll be parked across, and he's like, is that the guy? And I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. So the cop's like, are you sure this is the guy? He's like, he has blood, like, all over his shirt. And, and the cop starts laughing. He's like, yeah, that's him. He punched him. So this is where I found out that, like, the news listens to police radio. So obviously the next day, I wasn't sick anymore. I'm going this to school. This is a
0: fun fact of Anthony's life. <laughs> yeah, so Coming
1: I'm like, I'm going, I'm, I'm going back to school. So I go back to school. I get out of school. There's news vans everywhere. I go home. There's news vans everywhere. And what year
0: is this This about? is like
1: 95, I want to say. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So that turns into me doing a bunch of interviews, a bunch of... This is the reason why I don't do stuff like this was from that time. Everybody's there. Everybody's asking questions. The mm-hmm. next thing you know, that's on the news. And I'm reading it, and it's like, young boy hits man over the head with the flower pot. Like, they, they switch the story. You're like, what? They're like, baseball bat attack. Like, I'm like, no. And there's nothing you can do. Yeah. There's nothing you could do to get ahead of it. There's no- I can't call them back and be like, hey, so it really wasn't a flower pot. Um, What happened? And so it was like so my- So this
0: is your redemption, dude.
1: Yeah. This is <laughs> it. Right, right. I'm like, <laughs> oh, cleared Lord. all up. Exactly. And so it, it's all, it was like a good thing. I guess it seemed like I was safe. Um. There's a bunch of news around. People in the neighborhood are kind of finding out. And at the same time, it causes a lot of drama because now people are like, man, there's just one guy. Like, you're lucky it wasn't me coming into your house. Because people get that little bit mm-hmm. of like, why are you getting all the attention? Yep. Attention that I did not want. You
0: didn't ask Never for it. Never asked for it. it. Mm-hmm.
1: And so... And you're a kid. Exactly, exactly. So I started getting into it with people. Okay. And at the same time, I still have to defend myself. It's just now... Mm-hmm the opportunities are arising even more. Yeah. And so what happens with that is I've never, never want to hurt people. Like mm-hmm. I've, I'm not, that's not who I am. Yeah. So to, to get to that point, I'd have to get like super mad. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'd have to make myself like super mad. And now next thing you know, I'm comfortable fighting. And my mom would always tell me like, cause they'd call her and be like, hey, you gotta come get your son. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, one of these days you're going to hurt somebody bad and you're going to feel terrible about it cause you don't even want to do it in the first place. Yeah. And so you know, it's just one of those things where I'm fitting in. Now people aren't messing with me because they know, well, mm-hmm. he'll throw hands if he has to. Yeah. And so I'm building like this person that I am that I don't want to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the summer, my mom sent me, I want to say it was like a year later, my mom sent me to live with my brother in Michigan. Okay. She didn't, she didn't send me. So I was in sixth grade at uh, Utterback. Okay. And I got expelled from Utterback for fighting one too many times. So my mom, in the summer, she's like, hey, we're going to go visit your brother in Michigan. My brother went to the University of Michigan. Oh,
2: okay.
1: So I go to Michigan to go visit him, and then she gives us the call. And she's like, hey, uh, you, um, you're going to have to do sixth grade again. And we were just thinking, like, if you did it over there. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, see you I see what you guys are doing. But part of me was like, I'm cool with this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? Like, I'd rather do it there. Yeah. Then come back and have to see the same people. Like, hey bro, why are you in again? Well grade they knew again? that you
2: had
0: to have your environment changed. Right.
1: Right. They did. And so I went up there and man, that was a culture shock with my so my brother had got married. Um, his wife at the time was like from India mm-hmm. and like Everyone in her family was doctors, so they're big on, like, education. My brother doesn't have a TV. He's there to do fine arts. Like, Mm. I'm throwing in a whole other mix of of culture. But I come from that, so it was all right. Um, But, yeah, no TV. uh, And they would be all right. So I come home, I do my homework, and when I'm trying to do my homework, I would show it to her, and she would say, three of these are wrong. And I'm like, all right, cool, which one? She'd be like, nope, it's your job mm-hmm. to figure it out. So I'd be mad. Sometimes I'd go rip my paper up. and She'd be like, well, you can go out whenever you're done. So my brother would come home, and he'd kind of, all right, nudge me along. So I'd finish. By the time I was done, all the kids that lived in the area were inside. We lived in, like, family housing. Mm-hmm. So all the kids are inside. My brother would be like, you can go to the basketball courts for an hour. So I'd go to the basketball courts for an hour. Everyone there is, like, in straight college so yeah. <laughs> like 19 18 and up mm-hmm. and so they would be they'd be like hey little man want to play i'm like yeah sure so i'd get out there and my brother had taught me like you know how to play just basic mm-hmm. you know a lot of stuff football everything it was like well i was an athletic kid so i'd be out there and i'd do anything i could i'd just stand in one spot shoot try to play a little bit of defense and they were i was so thankful for them allowing me to because if they didn't yeah nothing would happen so um I went to school there in Michigan, and that was a super shock. Like, my brother's beliefs were, like, kind of like, you don't need all these clothes. You don't need all these new shoes. And so now I'm going to school wearing kind of the same stuff, Mm -hmm. like, maybe a couple times a week. So people are going to say what they got to say. So that's where I sharpened my uh, shit-talking skills right there. (laughs) So now I could do, you know. I, You're all I,
0: fine. It won't be the hands. For it's going to be
1: the mouth. <laughs> for real, yeah. I could not get in trouble over there. So um, I developed those skills. But basketball was the language that allowed me to speak to them. When we would go to, to you know, gym, they could say whatever they want about what I was wearing. But they're like, nah, we're picking him on our team. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things. I think that's one of my earliest memories of basketball being, like, no matter where you go, if you know something, it's like a language you could speak with people. Yeah. Um, and so that got me through that year. And I moved back here. And um, my mom was kind of like, there was a lot of stuff that went on that I didn't really tell her about mm-hmm. um, just because I didn't want her to worry. mom was such a worried person. Yeah. And so when I came back here, um, I went back to school, went back to Safford. And the first day of school, uh, I wore, I took no backpack. I took nothing. I, I knew I was like the first person that comes up to me and says something I'm fighting them. They're going to be like, dude, don't ever bring up the fact that he's a great behind us. Mm-hmm. And so I was ready and I went and like the first kid that comes up to me, it's like this little dude, he comes like up to my shoulders and he's like, hey man, like, let me see your schedule. And I'm like, oh, here's my schedule. So I show him, he's like, hey man, we have all the same classes. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So and this is funny little dude. And it's like me and him are still best friends to this day. We're like brothers, and it was like from the moment that that happened. And he taught me, and it's crazy. I always give him credit and he laughs about it, but he taught me how to like like reopen the door for me to talk to everybody. Yeah he talked to skaters, he talked to the gangster dudes, he talked to people from the west side, from the south side from you know' you and like you're you you like blue yeah, yeah, totally. It's like because we're all the same. Yeah. our life stories. And what we go through make us who we are. Mm-hmm. and so But we all start from the same core. So I kind of see that in everybody. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a big thing. As a male, it's an ego thing. And so your ego could always survive around me. Like I can, I'll move it to the side. I can, it bends, it moves, it does a lot, you know, for you to survive. and um, And so, yeah, but he opened the door for me. And it's funny because now he's more of a doesn't take no shit from nobody mm-hmm. whereas I'm know, sure you learn some things from yeah, each other yeah 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 for sure <laughs> for sure but he's kind of like you know he's totally just um he opened the door for me to like okay cool and so it made middle school um super fun and it made high school fun but I still didn't like the school part of it got like, it. the work part I just wouldn't do so I'd get like straight f's and my mom wouldn't really trip it sounds crazy but she knew um my mom had got a ged and mm-hmm. she was like you're smart kid yeah so your grades don't reflect who you are yeah, what you know. Yeah, and so she mm-hmm. always was like, okay. And I'd go to school, and I'd get, like, you know, uh, I'd go on a Friday and take a test and get a C on it, and the teacher would be like, you know, see, if you would have showed up, then you could have done so much better. I'm like, yeah, like, I could have got a letter grade better if I would have showed up for four more days. It just didn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. And at that time, I mean, it was like when the truancy was coming out, and they're like, yeah. if you miss so many days, they're going to come and get you. And <laughs> None of those really worked. <laughs> none of those really worked for me. You were the kid that didn't work for It <laughs> didn't work for me. They and some people would come to my house, like dropout prevention when I was in high school, they'd come to my house and I'd talk with them, but it never none of that really motivated me to want to like go to school and mm-hmm. do anything crazy. And so, um but my mom was always there. She was always like, All right, whatever, you know, lie meho, as long as you have a plan. And mm-hmm. and so I, I she when I turned like eleven, she when I came back, she was kinda like you know right from wrong, yeah, and so now it's your job to live with the consequences of your actions, which saved me from doing a lot of i mean i I was still a teenage boy, so mm-hmm. I did all kinds of crazy stuff, but I didn't venture off too far because it was like, yeah. well, I don't really have to do that for the sake of doing it um and so I was thankful that she raised me that way, gave me that leash, and also kind of you know would help me along the way, just the support, yeah um and when I dropped out of high school, I dropped out, so I played basketball in high school, um, and that was the only reason why I went to school. It's the only reason why I went to school, is because of basketball. Mm-hmm. And after basketball season, I would be like, mm, I'm done. And wouldn't show up to school, wouldn't do the stuff I needed to do. Yeah,
0: there was nothing there yeah. that was motivating yeah. you?
1: Not at all. And so, well, I got into it with my basketball coach, who I still in contact now, which is hilarious. Um, but, I got into it with him, and I was like, "I don't even need this. I quit." And the thing about it was, he pushed me, but I kind of felt like it was like a his male version of pushing me was like me getting on the defensive of it. I couldn't not see the positive in mm-hmm. it at all. Mm-hmm. Now I can completely. I do it to kids myself. Yeah. Um, the difference is, I feel like he didn't really. He wouldn't pull me aside and be like, "Hey, like this is what I'm doing this," and yep. and I get it. You know he's a he's a little bit older and I always tell kids that too I'm like take advantage of what I have now because one day I'm going to be tired and I won't be able to (laughs) give you all the time that I give you now because they know like whether it's the car rides whether Mm -hmm. it's sitting in front of your house for 15 minutes like I'll sit with those kids and we'll talk and um those are I do those because of those are the things I didn't get got it and and I know he was doing the same thing he was pushing me he wanted me to be good I know that I know that now and um but I dropped out and my mom kind of like backed me 100%, like, and well, now now what? Like, what do you want to do now? Mm-hmm. And so when I, I joined, I went to Job Corps. I went okay. to Job Corps and uh, that was uh, an experience. But I did good there, because it was like, you could go as fast as you want mm-hmm. or as slow as you want. So I'm like, all right, let's go. What do we gotta do? And in there, I met um, my teacher, Art. And that dude changed my life, because he would always wear a navy um, like a Navy lanyard, mm-hmm. and there was never no Navy dudes that ever showed up, but, but like the Marines would Marines be there, there, the Army, Army. yeah, yep. and I'm like, it's not our fight, bro, like, quit trying to take <laughs> these dudes, bro, it's not our fight, you know, and they would laugh at me, and I'd, like, always give them shit, like, always, and uh, one time, he goes, oh, my son's ship was on, like, PBS or something, and so he show, he brought it in and showed us, and I was like, so they just, like, work, but, like, out to sea, and he was like, dude, you should look into it. Like, you'd probably be good at it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I went and I joined. I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to join, or I'm going to go check it out. And I went to go check it out, and I ended up joining. And it was the craziest thing because the reason I did it was because no one wanted me to do it. I was yeah. that kid. Like, if you told me, hey, you should study. If I study and I get a good grade, then you're like, see, if I, good thing I told you to study. And now I'm like, you're trying to take all my credit. I was that <laughs> kid. So I'm like, I had to do my own thing. Nobody wanted me to join the military. My mom was pissed when I was like, Mom, I'm going to go. She's like, yeah, well, I can't believe you. And I'm like, B-. and I I loved it, though, because it was like the one thing that I was doing that everybody's like, I can't believe you. My sister was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're going to, yeah. yeah, I'm going to go. And my mom would. She saved me. Again, she's always there to save me. She was like. You won't even let me tell you what to do, but you're gonna let a dude yell in your face mm. to tell you all the stuff you're gonna do. She's like, you're gonna be back here. They're gonna send <laughs> you back here. And there was moments when I was there, and I'm like, I'm about to lose it on this dude. And I think no, no, my, I my mom's gonna be like, I, I told, told you. you oh, like, I can't have her be I right. I cannot have her be right. And so it, it helped me get through it, and um, that changed my life forever. It gave me the discipline that. I needed when you couldn't go nowhere. Like even if I got really pissed off and yeah. I went into the hallway, there's no one in the Where hallway. You gonna that go? got, they're gonna be like, "Where are you?" You know? And you so you can't
0: flight. You oh, can't
1: leave. God, and I needed that so bad. And it's not that I needed the discipline. It was that I needed to to like show myself that if you just stick to something, you can make it through it. And so now that's why it helped me with my mood because no matter what, like I get to go home. So out there it's like you're out to sea. Mm-hmm. You know, I was out to sea for 7 months. So that's a long time. Yeah. At the time I had two kids. And so being away from them is like you have to go to a place in your brain where it's like, "All right, like there's only so much I can do."
2: Yeah.
1: And things still happen at home. So making it through that is where like I look at kids problems now and I look and I say, like this is <laughs> like I understand your reaction to it, mm-hmm. but you're going to be all right cuz it's like problems get so much worse when you're older yeah so after my um military time I did five years in the military and I loved it I did good it was for the first time in my life I was like you know what I'm gonna listen to these people instead of being the one who was like I'm gonna do the opposite I'm Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm gonna listen to these people and see what happens they I listened to them I did what they asked me to do I made rank really fast um everything was great I was I'd gotten married Mm -hmm. I got married young 19 married um and uh you know, everything was going good, and then I started to... When I went out to sea, I kind of realized, like, you have to have a different mentality to be in the military and be away from your family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, some people can shut it off completely. Like, they forget that they have a family. They go out there, and they do what they got to do. Yeah. And I totally understand it. Um, If not, it'll beat you up, and I've seen that, too, out there, you know? And, um, but me, I didn't want to disconnect from them. I didn't have... Uh, like, my real dad was not in my, not in the picture. And I, I always say that, and I don't, I always skip past my dad, mm-hmm. who's probably, you know, I call him my dad. He was the one that stepped in and took me in. And when when I lived in South Tucson, he would pick me up twice a week. Mm-hmm. I'm not even his. He'd pick me up twice yeah. a week, take me with friends to go do something, he'd take me to Denny's to do homework. Like, I don't talk about him enough. And all the respect that I give him for doing all the things that he did. Yeah. But always I would write him letters and be like, if I could just have your patience or your understanding of things, because I would flip out all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was always very calm. And it's funny because he was in the military, too. So I wonder if that me and him have never had that conversation. But but he does. He always just kinda says, like, and so what what are you gonna do about it? That and I'm is like totally you. Yeah, and I'm like, God, that's so true. Like there's like me worrying about it, me it there's nothing I can do. What can I do about it? And so me getting that from him is like, oh, it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. And um so in there, um I got I was like away from my kids and was like I need to be with them they're so they're only small for mm-hmm. a little bit of time so I got out of the military and that was my next uh thing wherever like everybody told me I can't believe you're getting in <laughs> and then I'm getting out and everybody's like you're okay. an idiot I can't believe you're getting out and that's when it like dawned on me like your life is your life and you have to do the things that are important for you in the small time that absolutely you get them. um I've grown up it, growing up from South Tucson you're around death a lot it just is what it is some kids older brothers somebody's nana mm-hmm. um i had kids in when i was at uh safford you know there was kids in 6th grade they a uh, kid that got shot on his um porch from a drive by he had nothing to do with it mm-hmm. and so being around those things it was always a reminder like you ne- you never know yeah um and you know something i never brought up and i not never i don't think i've ever told anybody this it's funny okay. um it's
2: an exclusive yeah
1: yeah exclusive tito um so growing up, like, my mom, since we were so close, there was times when I would, like, picture her not there anymore when people would pass away. And I would, like, mourn her
2: mm-hmm. even
1: though she was here.
2: Interesting. I could
1: think about her not being here and then think about what the heck am I going to do? And that would bring me to tears.
2: Yep.
1: And
0: I've done that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's crazy because it's, like, it prepared me for the day when she wasn't going to be here. And it's nuts because she would talk to me about it, too. Mm -hmm. Hey, the reason why we're doing this, I'm not always going to be here. This is why you have to learn how to make food. That, and she didn't want to make food no more. I get it now. (laughs) I'm there with my kids. I'm like, so this is how you make it, and this base will make all of these things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so I got out of the military in 2009, and everybody was tripping because they were like, hey, we're in a recession, You're you're not gonna be able to find a job. You're not Mm -hmm. gonna be able to do this. You're not gonna be able to do that. And there she was. Like my mom was like, "Oh, you know, come home, be with your kids, figure it out. You're gonna be fine. You're you're better off than you were when you left. Like you have military experience. You have this. You have that. If there's anybody who can find a job, it could be you." And I'm like, "Man, all right, you're right." And that's the beauty of coming from nothing. Like I don't have a retirement account. I don't have like all these. I don't have no assets. So the world could crumble, and I'd be like, "Oh, we still have rice and beans. All right, we're right on schedule."
3: Yeah, you're right.
1: Um, So I got out and uh it was it was different we had to decide like do we stay in california or do we come back you know
0: oh, okay because you were.
1: yeah and so we decided to come back and uh and coming back i got a job at like the airport that was cool i didn't know what i was gonna do like i didn't i just got a job there because i was doing supply i did supply in the military mm. so i got a job doing supply and um it was fun i loved it and the next thing you know They're like, hey, you want to go to L.A.? Like, there's a job that opened up in L.A. through the airport. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I'm like, all right, well, it's our chance to go back to California. You want to go to California? My wife at the time was like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go first. So I took the job. I have family that lives in Anaheim, so I stayed with my cousin Gina. um, And I'm going to work up there. And then I would fly back home because I worked up there and I could fly. So I'd fly back home, so I'm flying back and forth. And one of the days, I uh, my wife calls me and she's like, hey, your mom, I'm trying to call your mom, but she's not answering, can you call her? And I'm like, yeah, I'll call her. My mom doesn't leave the house, she stays home. Um, that's something that we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> she she stays home, she doesn't do much. And so I'm like, yeah, she's probably in the shower or something, so I'll call her. and. Everybody knows California traffic. Mm-hmm. You, it'll take you like 30 minutes to get to work and two hours to get home. So I'm going to like an hour and a half ride home and I'm calling her, calling her, calling her. She's not answering. So I kind of knew like something was off. Yeah. So I called back. I called my ex wife at the time. And I'm like, or my wife at the time. And I'm like, hey, go check her out. Just so she goes. She calls me back hysterical, like, your mom, she, I opened the door, she's on the floor. And I'm like, as calm as you could, like more calm than you could ever think. It was mm-hmm. like, all right, cool, hang up, call nine one one. Everything's fine. Everything's gonna be all right. You're good. And so I jump. I had to turn around and drive back to the airport to try to fly home. And I, not knowing what was going on, I'm mm-hmm. just on my phone trying to check. And like the weirdest thing, like I'm, I'm Catholic because of my mom, but I'm very open to like everybody's way of things. Yeah, and. Uh, that night was probably the most spiritual night for me. I knew immediately that she was gone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, like, I'm a scaredy cat, so I, I was like, Mom, I know you're with me. I don't need you to flicker no lights. I don't need you to close no <laughs> doors. Like, I, I, some crazy way, I feel you with me. Yeah. And um, I got a flight. There was a – I had to fly standby. I didn't have to fly standby, but I didn't know that at the time. If I would have called – they give you like, they'll save you a seat because some mm. something happened to someone in mm-hmm. your family, I didn't know that. So I get there, there's like a couple seats open on the plane, it fills up, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get on. They call my name, I get on, and I didn't even tell them, I'm just like standby, trying to fly home. The seat next to me is empty, it's the only other empty seat in the house. Like the whole plane is full, it looked like there was gonna be overbooked, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we leave, and the, the flight is, I'm on a seat, And the seat next to me is the only open one, and it was like exactly what I needed at the time. Yeah, my mom had just passed away. I didn't want to sit next to somebody and be like, "Hey, how's it going? Oh Mm -hmm. yeah, great." You know, and it was like she was with me, and it was like the craziest thing. And ever since then, like she's been with me, and I I talk about her every day. Um, So it's like she was like she never left. Yeah, and I laugh because so I'm born on February seventh, two seven, and my mom died February twenty seventh, two seven, and so it was like she died and i was like reborn mm. and it's the craziest thing but all the stuff that she had taught me like downloaded instantly and i could see it in other people um it took a little bit of time to see it during that time was when like my marriage started kind of getting a little like we were married for 15 years like oh, wow. yeah so at the time it was probably like 13 um and we just kind of were growing apart it was nothing crazy that had just happened but it was i lost my fam my mom was my family so it was like, whatever you wanna do, you wanna go back to Tucson, do you wanna mm-hmm. go to... And so that's what we did, uh, we stayed in Tucson and uh, we we just kinda of grew apart, you know, kinda of grew apart, separated, and that was, that was different too. I was like totally committed to being married and um, all the stuff that we did was like, what's the problem? Okay, cool, I gotta fix this, and what's that? Mm-hmm. I gotta fix this. And I think that's probably part of the reason why um, I became just like a fixer and not really living. It was just like routine is a yeah. is something, man. It'll make time fall off the off the map. And um so we just we're going through and uh as we separate I have the kids and we're going, you know, a week in a week seeing the kids and I thank God for my friends, you know, Teddy and Vettel, they brought me into their home. We lived in one room in their house and it was like starting over. When I was a kid, like we lived in people's front yards. Me and my mom lived in like a little trailer in someone's yard, but it was like the best times. She would like sing songs and do like, I never knew it was a problem. Mm -hmm. And so I really, I was like, the blueprint was there for me. And so I was always just kind of in there. And at that time, I didn't know where I was going to work. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't even know what I liked doing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I just didn't have the same problems to fix. And so it was like, what do I do? And, um,
0: and where did you end oh, up? Oh
1: man. so my friend Vettel, she worked at um, Desert Willow okay. and uh, she was like, you know what? like there's there's kids and like they need people like you who understand because she's known me since since high school when I didn't want to go to school and mm-hmm. I was a little pain. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you know maybe I, I'm not sure like And finally one day I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it And um, so I, I, I went I filled an application. And it's funny, like, I sent it at, like, 10 in the morning. I got a call at, like, noon. And they're like, can you come in today? I was like, "Uh, like, I didn't have no haircut. I was like, "Uh, oh, not today. <laughs> I could come tomorrow. And it was crazy. Like, I it was the fastest callback I ever got. And I didn't realize they, that's how much they needed people to work with special oh, needs yeah. kids. Yeah. And um, And I went in and kind of just told them my story. And it was, like, the perfect match. It was, like, there's kids that need help, and help them as best as you can. And I'm like, what, like, there's no, like, set, you know, thing you want me to do, like, well, they have goals, Mm -hmm. and as long as you can help them meet these goals, so it it allowed me to be super creative and working with some of these kids and building these relationships, but I see it from a completely different, like, standpoint, like, I don't, I look at the kids, and all the kids that I work with, I'm on their side, it's like we're standing shoulder to shoulder versus Mm -hmm. school, I've been there before, I know what it's like to not wanna, but if I could be the reason why you wanna come back tomorrow, then you're gonna come, And if, as long as you show up, we're gonna do some stuff. And as long as you do some stuff, you're gonna learn. And that was like the basis of kind of what started things. Um, And then I started getting, you know, they started being like, hey, you're really good at this. And I'm like, I don't, I'm just kind of hanging out with my friends, like they're my friends. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, they're like, well, because they're your friends, like they're listening to you. And I would mix two kids that you would think you could never mix. And they'd be one on this side, one on this side, working together. And um, COVID happened.
2: Yeah. And
1: uh, when COVID happened, it sent a lot of those kids home.
2: Mm-hmm. And it made yeah.
1: things uh, interesting. Like, I, how do I see what them? What are they going
0: to do? How yeah, do you so know? I started
1: making, like, little videos, and I'd send it to them. And uh, in the summer, so right when, in the summer of 2020, so, like, May, it was, like, the day after school ended, May 26th, I started Positive Pro. Yeah, and, let's uh, talk
0: about that. Because, yeah, yeah I, I wanted to to – Kind of segue into, so you've you've made a career out Mm -hmm. of um, working with kids as a paraprofessional. So kids with special needs, with behavioral needs, and I'm sure even just general ed students that got to experience you in working with those kids. I know you had an impact on them as well. Um, And you have a passion for providing mentorship to kiddos through recreational activities. So, yeah, tell us about this, your organization that you created, Positive Pros.
1: Yeah, so I... I started working with these kids so i start the business i went onto this like website it was like zen business so i go on the zen business and they did like this promo it was like hey if you start an llc like you get a thousand dollar grant which was like okay so i used a thousand dollar grant and i bought a bunch of like bands that you put like you know around your wrist yeah yeah. i bought a bunch of bands i bought some t-shirts and i bought a t-shirt press and I just started making T-shirts and going to these kids' houses, and I'd, like, ask, like, you know, I'd put it out there on social media, like, anybody want me to come for an hour with your kid? And so for the first ones, like, I didn't charge anything Mm because I was like, well, I have $1,000. I'm just going to go. I'm like, if I spent an hour, it'd be, like, 20 bucks an hour. That's pretty good. I can make a living, you know, or I could, during COVID. Yeah, during COVID. Yeah, it's a good little mix. Uh, I'm showing up with gloves and a mask, and I have, like, Full suits if I needed it. That's kind of when I knew COVID was going to like kick off too. I'd go to a the house, and they'd be like, oh no, you're good. And I go to the next house, they're like, no, you're fine. I was like, oh yeah, we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, no, I got to wear this stuff. Or I don't know how serious this stuff is. Yeah. And um, in working with them, like the, a lot of the parents would be like, man, they just respond to you differently than than they do to us and I'm like why yeah I mean I get that too as a parent parent. yeah Yeah. I'm like so what I would do is just kind of direct anything that they wanted to do through the parents so they still had the power um, but the kids were more willing to do that and in doing so um, Da Vinci Tree Academy came along and they're like hey man we love what you do Um, I used to mentor some kids with them Mm -hmm. for free on my way to basketball practice I would I would uh, stop there and mentor okay and they were like, hey, man, if you want to come and work here, like, we'll definitely take you on. And so I left uh, I left Vale mm-hmm. and I went to Da Vinci Tree, and that has been um, – it has done wonders <laughs> since yeah. then. They believed in everything I was doing, and I think that's the reason why. Like you said before, some of the Gen N kids. So when you work for special needs, um, there's, like, hours that you have to give. And so sometimes there's kids that, to me – like, if your parent passes away, you could have a special need for two weeks of or, or longer yeah. trying to deal with that. Oh, yeah. But because you're not on our caseload, I can't exactly spend a lot of time with mm-hmm. you. And so in creating my own thing, it was like it wasn't for – it was just for kids.
0: Yeah, it didn't and, matter.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's why I think it gave me that freedom, and that's the part that I loved about it. Um, but I started doing more, like trying to figure out how to do more – group activities because now it's hard to see one kid at a time oh yeah you know and so yeah we started doing um like rewards for the classroom and stuff like that and it just kind of took off other schools were like hey can you come and talk to like we have some sixth graders that so I go out to uh, there's a school out in the Sunnyside school district uh Summit View I go out there and I speak to their sixth graders and their kindergartners because I love the I love talking to kindergartners and I tell people all the time, like, this is the culture of your school right here. Mm-hmm. If you can start with them and they're here next year and they're here the year after that, then they're the ones that are helping us build these relationships yeah. and understanding the power of positivity and why they want to do, do it. it and, and have so, that buy-in. Right. And over time, you get to see a change in culture. It's the only way to change is by doing.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, we
1: could talk about it all day. We could come up with these programs. We could do this. But if you're not out there creating relationships and understanding them it's gonna be hard you know it's gonna be hard and so um yeah positive pro has has then grown to da vinci tree backing us up and helping us get grants to run free camps for kids yes talk about those yeah that's huge for me so growing up you know my mom would be like uh you know she'd be like Oh, there's a camp. How much is it? Yeah, <laughs> like twenty five. Yeah. She'd be like, Oh, well, maybe next time, you yeah. know. And so I just remember that, and I know like the kids that, that like the kid I was and the kids that I played with could have went to some of these camps and like got seen or you know we mm-hmm. were go- as good as some of these kids. We just didn't have the opportunity. Opportunities, yeah. And so that's what I'm big on, just trying to create those opportunities. Um, in that time of me starting at Avail, I also got on to Paula Verde, um, basketball just as an unpaid assistant, helping out. And it was fun because I'm like, man, basketball was everything for me, so I can't wait to get back here and try to, like, give, give, them, yeah, give them these things that will help them stay with it. And... Uh, I learned real quick that it was not about X's and O's. It was like my first day, I think our best player quit like four times, you know, and it, it started. <laughs> the conversation started with like, come on, man, let's get back out there to like the last time, like, so do you need a ride or, you know, and, and so it was like an emotional roller coaster. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I fell in love with those kids and like their stories and where they come from, and I mean, Paulo Verde's on the east side. It's not, they don't all come from the greatest backgrounds, um, but I identify with that. And uh, so for us, it's like the conversations that we have are real. Um, the pushing that I do on them is real. Mm-hmm. And the conversations that we have about it are real. So they understand, you know. Um, but that's the thing for me. It's over the years, them, um, we always say, don't talk about it, be about it. So me mm-hmm. being about it shows them. You well, know, yeah, you're moments, modeling. Yeah.
0: You're modeling for them. Um, so you alluded to Palo Verde basketball, um, well, first of all, back to positive pros. Yep. Just, I just want to say, like, the work that you're doing is amazing, and I think it's like your calling to just work with kids of any kind of age, background. You just have that ability to connect with them no matter who they are, where they come from. Thank you. Um, And so you've kind of melded together the, your relationship building, but also with the basketball yeah. component. And so I want to talk about, about Palo Verde because now – things happened and you became the varsity yeah. while you were jv coach and then yeah, you became yeah. the varsity yeah
1: so I, I joined and was an unpaid assistant the next season the jv coach left and they're like well you know the kids so i'm like all right i'm gonna take it which is something i never thought i would do mm-hmm. i didn't think i was qualified for it you know and um but i learned those kids the systems that we ran were some of the same ones that we did um shout out coach uh flanagan at pima because he's yeah. the one that brought me on um me and him played high school together at Tucson High, and he brought me on. He was like, hey, we run the same offense. He's like, I'm like, dude, if I could have went back and run the same offense with what I know now. And uh, so, yeah, the next year I came on as a JV coach, the year after that was COVID.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
1: all of my players had to go play varsity. So I was just the varsity assistant. And then after that, uh, Marshawn got the job at Pima, yeah. the assistant at Pima. And so I stepped in and I, I mean, even then I was like, there's, you know, there's gonna be a lot of coaches that put in for this, I don't know if I'm going to get it. And yeah. the kids were like, coach, you got it, you know? And I'm like, all right. So I put in for it. And, um, you know, but before I put in for it, it was a moment where I was like, if I'm going to walk away, this is the perfect time. It makes sense. Uh, you know, like, Marshawn's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I really want the responsibilities of being a head coach. Yeah. Like, I could just go off and do my thing. And, but I had those kids for three years. And the relationships I built, like, there's no way I'm walking out on them mm-hmm. They're senior year. So, so I took the job and uh, I got it, and um, you know it's been it's been a ride. It's been a lot of fun. We have kids. I mean, I have people on campus that that you know I won't use no names, but there's a couple teachers out there like you really think you could get so and so eligible to, and I'm like yeah I do, and uh, you know some of them take some time, but now to see some of them. Eligible and thriving Mm -hmm. and showing up to school more than they did before. It's like those are the reasons why I do what I do. And a lot of people ask me, like, you know, what is it that you want to, you know, leave or like your legacy? I'm like, it's done. It's done. I feel the same way. Like when my mom passed away, all the things that she taught me were downloaded to my system. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that with all the kids, you know? And so. God forbid something happened to me tomorrow. I feel like I've laid enough for them to know there's real people in the world that care about you. Uh, I'm a big believer in unconditional love is the most powerful thing in the world. And um, I laugh at the kids all the time because I tell them, like, I don't trust any of you. (laughs) None of you. But I love all of you, and that's the reason why, because I I don't trust you. I know you're going to mess up. You're going to go in there. I'm like, you're going to listen to Miss So-and-so all day. They're like, I'm going to do it. I said, you know how many times i would be heartbroken? If I trusted that you were gonna. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, they don't always understand it, but I know one day they will. And I feel like that's the big difference that I have that um, some people don't is they're trying to get a message across. They're trying to get a message across and they get frustrated that the message is not getting across. Yeah. And for me, my belief is like, it's not my job to make sure the message get, got across. It's to lay it there yeah. because sometime in your life, something's going to happen that clicks it. And I might not it. even be here. Mm-hmm. I might not even be here when it happens, but that alone allows me to smile about it and be like, all right, cool. And they don't listen. That's fine. Cause I've had kids come back. I mean, you've seen some of them come to our practices <laughs> and be like, coach, what's up? You know, yeah, and they're still no, around. This sure. is two years, three years later. And I've had them come back to me to say, coach, tell me something, just tell me anything. Cause I know that you are always telling me the truth. And those are like the biggest things for me. Um, but yeah, taking on that head coaching job at Paul Verde was like one of the biggest things that I've done, the biggest decision I've made. Um, and it's not like, I don't do anything for money. That's yeah. the mis- big yeah. misconception. Like, I get that a lot. People that... That's that,
0: interesting because I'm like, I know you, and I'm like, he ain't getting no money. Like, yeah. not like that kind of money. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and that's the thing. It's like, um, I run into that a lot. Like, uh, you know, having a business, you're going to run into business people that are like, how are you mm-hmm. going to grow your model mm-hmm. and this and this? And I'm like, I don't know, but while you guys figure it out, I'm about to work with these kids. Yeah. You know? He, Please help me. But you want me to stop working with the kids to, to figure to out how to make know. some money? From, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. And so I don't look at it that way. I just keep plugging along and doing what I need to do um, that I feel like I'm here for. Uh, lately, I've been trying to explain myself as like my life as a candle. You know, when you light that. My mom always had the candle. The Jesus the candle. Death. We had the. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. So you light a candle and that thing burns, man. And it'll keep going and it'll burn all the way down until it, you can't light it no more, mm-hmm. you know. And that's my life. And so w- while my candle is burning, I get to do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's probably where, like, there's some people out there that oh, he's a really nice guy. And there's probably some people out there that say he's an asshole. But it's like, because I stick to what I am going to do because it's my candle. Yeah. And um, Well,
0: like you said, back to your, it's it's your life. You right. know, Everyone has is responsible for their life and they got to do it. Dish, make whatever decisions they right. have to make for them. right? And yeah. for you, you're doing the things that speak to your soul yeah. and that you feel like And good things come
1: from it. So, absolutely. So I have no... Like, I know that it works for me. So although somebody comes in and may not see it, it's not my job to convince them or get yeah. upset at their criticism. Well, and you and I have
0: had conversations because <laughs> I kind of described you as a visionary mm-hmm. in, in your intro. But um, they're like... I was talking, I met that. and we were talking and we were saying how you kind of just speak things into existence. <laughs> you just, and I'm sure that comes from all the good energy that you put out into the world and, and working with kids and work, just, just being a good human being and working with, <laughs> with people. Um, but let alone kids and providing all these opportunities, but like a lot of good things, you know, have happened yeah. to you or for you, but not because, they just happen to you. Yeah. You know, you're actually you're taking action and putting positivity into the world and yeah, it's kinda like
1: when it comes to stuff like that, it's like there's a bunch of people that could like define it or like and I don't know who's right. I just know that it happens. Mm-hmm. And so I keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it's working. So that it yeah, so that it just keeps working. And um, I think that's the biggest thing for me is like, all right, so like, what can I do now? What can I do now? But that's the thing. Like I was saying, you know, the candle, it, it will burn all the way until all the wax is gone and the, and the wick is gone. Mm-hmm. But at the same time in my life, we've learned that somebody could just lean over and blow the candle out yeah. at any point in time. You could light that thing and it, it could blow it out the next day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what you decide to do is super important. And right now I found a way to do the things that I want to do without doing stuff like this, like a podcast. It's nuts to me because I don't I don't, I don't know. It makes me nervous. Like, I guess that, you know, your, your stuff gets out there to more people, but it's like yeah. it's more important that my stuff gets out there to more people that are like me that want to help. So I can ignore the ones that are not, that have yeah. something negative to say or, you know, but we're all that way. And I feel like that's another part of me that helps me work with other people. I have insecurities. I know how I talk bad about myself to myself sometimes. And so when I see someone else, I go, they could be just like me or they could be way worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, either way, I understand it. And so meeting them where they are to have a conversation um is allows me to be a people person of very different people and like cuz I understand like you've what you've gone through has made you who you are. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. And so um it helps me navigate through, but I've met so many people that want to help in different ways that don't know how or they're just like man you're you know you're lucky like things are working out for you and I'm like yeah it's the people that have been placed in my life one thing my mom taught me that's the biggest thing that I'll carry forever is people are the biggest asset you know people think like gold or this or yeah. you know money but it's people and you're only as good as the people that are in your life or around you and uh and you know I feel like the culture right now is about that right they're like Insert the people in your life that are gonna, you know. And, but people forget about that by doing that, um, you're also cutting out people that have been in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's a thing too. So it it sounds great. You know, you listen to all these like motivational things. Yeah. Forget about the people that are dragging you down. You're like, I grew up with these people. And so I feel like there's a part of that where, Yes, I need to bring people into my life that help in a positive way. But I can also be the positive person in someone else's life, yeah, and
0: absolutely. not take
1: on whatever they got going on. And that that works for me, um, and that's something that I do because I care about everyone. I, again, yeah. like unconditional love to me is the most powerful thing, and uh, so that's what I do. I mean, I've had kids spit in my face, and I wipe it off, and I'm like, dude, I, you know, like, come here, give me, let me give you a hug. Let me hug. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and people look at me, you know, they work there like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> and well, like... and
0: it's, I mean, I, and I can totally relate yeah. because, you know, I work in behavior right. in schools as well. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we have these experiences with kids when they're at their worst and, and, and trying to not take anything personally and mm-hmm. see them for right. where are you coming from, what right. is happening. Yeah, they
1: don't even understand um, some of the time. Like, no, why they... no.
0: And so, yeah, like, so to see you especially... Like, and know that you're having these similar experiences mm. with kiddos and just making those connections and them wanting to be around you or come to school because yeah. they want to see Mr. Smith. Right. And I right. mean i've I've <laughs> been by you yeah. and like you're like a celebrity. That's you know, hilarious. they're like, Mr. Smith in the house. He's walking yeah. through the class. So I mean, that's that's just awesome. And then, you know, on the basketball end, so we that's where I've experienced most of, you know, my um time with you mm. has been in the basketball side of things but um i wanted to talk a little bit back back to the palo verde thing you know you were talking about eligibility mm-hmm. and like i was just talk, thinking about your program in general like for a long time it you've said to me it was even hard to just build a team yeah you know get kids yeah. out get kids that could stick around that right. weren't gonna you know get uh, <laughs> discouraged and mm-hmm. you know just bolt um to now where you're like you're you're building a solid program to where you're going to get kids wanting to go there yeah. specifically to play.
1: I think, um, I think that's the, the craziest thing. I, so I feel like I don't reflect much. I live my life and I live my life. And so I feel like doing things like this, where we sit and we mm-hmm. talk about it, yeah. the reflection part is what makes me uncomfortable. I think, because um, I don't ever do it. I live my life like driving through uh, California traffic. Like my next move is up there, or yeah. to the left You're or to always the right. Yeah, forward. yeah. So, um, yeah, there. G- I have Coach G, who I mean, he coached at uh, Pima, he coached at Saguaro. and he's an old soul, like seen, old school, school dude. In his
0: chair. I love
1: there. him. I, I love him, and and he brings out like the old school coach in me and I bring out like the young dude in him. And Mm -hmm. I love that combination um, because I'll let kids come into the gym. I've let kids come into the gym to hang out and see what we do. Because as a kid, I knew if I wasn't in the gym, I was going to be out getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes when those kids are in there hanging out, I just have little conversations with them. We don't even talk about basketball. Yeah. It's just like, hey, you know, I hope you're doing this and that. And then they, they see it, and they're like, man, I just want to be around this dude. I mm-hmm. want to come out here. And I'm like, do tell your friends. Like, is that your friend? You should come out and play. And so we built it by kids that wanting to be there. Um, and little by little, giving them the – if we come at them too hard – Right off the bat, we chase them off because that's what they're used to. Um, But when we build a relationship with them and then we get on them, they understand. They're like, all right, you're right. Like, Mm -hmm. I've been doing me for a little bit too long. It's time for me to do you, coach. And, um, you know, me and Coach G, we laugh because he sees the difference. And he's like, man, I would've never thought, when I came at you about this kid, like, I would've never thought that he'd come out and be, like, productive as he is right now. And that's just my thing. I feel like we all have it in us. We just gotta learn how to unlock it in other people. And the biggest thing that we're taught is like, you know, like treat everyone the same. But yet, everyone is different. Mm-hmm. And so I treat everyone different because everybody's different. Yeah. And well, so, you try
0: to speak every individual's language. Right,
1: right. And basketball. Yeah, exactly. But still giving the same message because yeah. it, it is what it is. You can identify, you know, some people think, you know, they'll laugh at a kid on our team because he does something that's embarrassing. And I'm like, you weren't embarrassed when that happened? And he'd be like, man, forget about it. So I try to bring everybody, <laughs> you know, at everybody's uh, fair game. You're
0: like, I'm leveling the playing for field. For real,
1: for real. And so, you know, I think that... Yeah, it is exciting to watch kids um, want to come out and see the success of our program. Even you know, this year, we, we don't have the record that we wanted, but people forget that you know, I have freshmen and sophomores playing against varsity, varsity dudes, yeah. and we're in those games. And so right now, it's not that they can't win the games. It's like they did to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of getting there. And so the, the thought of having these same kids for a couple of years is like, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't reflect. And I don't ever stop and reflect. We just move, move, move. And after this season, it'll be travel season, which you already know. We're going to hit the road. Um, but like yeah it's it is exciting and when people bring it up i'm like yeah i guess yeah we have been doing that and you know we like this year we all got um we were able to raise some money and we all got like sweatsuits like you know, yeah and everybody's like and oh all those things all right. make a difference oh my god I mean, they, they do feel like they earned it like yeah they've, they've come out and they feel confident
0: we're like look at us exactly. we're a program we're legit exactly. we are here
1: people forget about how much those things are and we don't come from we're not a school that gets a lot of money yep. for our programs and we have to go out there and find ways to do it. Um and so that's why doing things like this are important to mm-hmm. me now because I have to get the word out there because there is somebody that wants to help and yeah. there is somebody and and there is people out alumni, here. Alumni where you at? Yeah, right. <laughs> and shout out to coach Mark. I mean, coach Mark is our alumni like he has them all in there. He has like a picture of all the alumni. I'm like, dude, Mark has been there forever. I think this mm-hmm. is like his. 15th year as an unpaid assistant wow so like i mean we'll talk about people that love doing what they're doing mm-hmm. like he's one of those guys and then i got coach joe which you know yeah um you know and she's like the fundamental like queen mm-hmm. like she could take a kid that does, that walks backwards and somehow make it right you know yeah. <laughs> and so with the team that we have um we do well in different areas of doing things and trying to keep the tradition there, but still build a culture where, you know, it's respected and people want to come out. And
0: it's family. I mean, I think that's at the, at the root of your, which I mean, all programs say, but I really think you guys like live it. Yeah. It's it. That is that you're building that culture of family. And that's like in action every day.
1: Shout out to all the coaches that, that do the things that no one sees. Like, pick kids up and take mm-hmm. them to practice and take them home and sometimes have to feed them because, you know, like, I'm hungry and I know they're hungry and they haven't ate, you know. Yeah. And it's funny because sometimes when we say those things, they f- I know, like, outsiders look and think that, um, like, sometimes we're putting down families. Like, we're putting oh, down yeah, the parents. Oh, yeah. well, my mom was that. My mm-hmm. mom had to work till seven. So Absolutely. somebody, whoever took me in, whoever gave me, you know, food, whoever did these things, like, mm-hmm. you know, my mom was appreciative. They say it takes a village, and it, and it does. And so that's why we are family. Those those parents know. Like, I take their kids on as my own. Yep. I never asked them for, for anything because I understand how it is. Mm-hmm. And um, if I wasn't able to provide in the way that I do, um, then I wouldn't. And so, but... Uh, you know, I, it is, it is, that is what creates our family. and makes us a little different than some programs that have 6,000 kids at the school and mm-hmm. they have to do cuts. I, we thought we were going to do cuts this year. We didn't even do cuts. It was like the first year we thought, yay, we're for sure going to do yeah. cuts. There's a lot of kids that came out and mm-hmm. there was probably about 30 kids that came out and we kept them all. And there's some kids in our program that have not been eligible and have not played. Mm-hmm. But they still show up to practice, and they yeah. still follow all those rules. And so I'm going to let them come out <laughs> because they're learning. Yeah. And that's what I tell them. There's no difference in your classroom in here. When I tell you to do something, you, I expect you to listen and then go execute. It's the same that's as your teacher. And so when they see that, and, you know, sometimes I vouch for some of these teachers. I'm like, they're just a they're a person just like me. What do you mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, shout out to some of those teachers. They go above and beyond for those kids because I talk to them all the time, you know. And I don't work at Paul mm-hmm. and that makes it tough. So I'm tough on my kids. Like, if I get an email, you're you're making me look bad. Yeah. And so we're going to do something about it. You know, I'm going to get an email immediately back from that teacher saying, hey, so-and-so came and apologized, and thank you so much. And this is the – and we do, and it happens. Yeah. So, um, you know, shout-out to Paul and, like, how much uh, support they give me and um, the program so that we can grow it to what we think it can be. Yeah. Uh, so no, it's exciting I, to watch. I
0: definitely – definitely like watching the traject the trajectory yeah. that you guys are on and I will get out to a game. <laughs> that was our goal to go to a home game. Yeah. I, luckily, some I, it looks like up. you we got guys some good are good coming. Your your uh, schedule is offset from ours. Yeah. So yeah. we should be able to get there, but so let's just take a little turn to AAU. Yeah. So oh, this past summer we truly be, did become family because we tackled an entire AAU season together well, let me just back up really quick we met you mm-hmm. through aau yeah. we were um when marcos was going into his freshman year we got told about you know visiting this team that was getting going and you were the 15 u coach and so we didn't play a lot with you because i think we started kind of late yeah. and, but we got in enough and enough for you to make an impact yeah. on our kiddo so um we you know got to experience that but this year was truly like a full-blown season, yeah. which we had never experienced as a family. <laughs> I mean, March to July,
3: yeah.
0: um, Phoenix multiple times, <laughs> Cali multiple times, Vegas, yeah. and with, I'm gonna, with limited funds. Yeah, facts. With limited kids facts. at times. And um, it's just, luckily, we have a, a team full of greedy kids, yeah. and they were challenged this season, but they also found some success. Yeah, they like, did. It was, it was very, yeah, that was fun to watch. And so just kind of talk about your philosophy when it comes to coaching club and, and how do you see like your future involvement with, with AAU?
1: Yeah. Um, AAU was not something I ever thought about doing. Um, That year when you guys came on, me and Coach Flanagan had talked and I'm like, we need, like, we need to do something with middle school and getting kids to like, know us Mm -hmm. and if there's kids that are in our feeder schools that want to come here this is a perfect opportunity for them to be around us a little bit more um and so he was like all right you're like go for the 15s and I'm like all right I just put the blinders on and we had like a thing and we we met shout out coach hood you know (laughs) if it wasn't for coach hood I wouldn't even be here um in AAU so Coach Hood was like, is there anybody that you know knows what they want? And I'm like, oh, yeah, right here. I'm going to take uh, 15 new boys, uh, you know? <laughs> and they were like, cool. Like, nobody, it seemed like no one wanted it, so it was like perfect. And um, my thing was, I, I mean, I didn't even really know. I was kind of going through for the first time. And so when I met the kids, it was me trying to give them who I am as quick as possible because
0: yeah.
1: they they barely know me, you know? And, and so, they didn't
0: know each other. Oh, like we no. were all coming from different. Yeah. Well, I mean, it ended up being kind of a combination of Palo Verde, of Palo Verde and Siena. It's kind Sienega, of the way it shook yeah. out, yeah.
1: Um, but in coaching the kids, it was like we didn't really have an offensive threat yet. And so it doesn't mean they can't play basketball. So I'm like, hey, let's play some defense. I've always been a defensive guy just because – you know, the other team can have a great player. So if we're all training to guard the best player, then we're going to have a better shot. Mm-hmm. If we can't make shots, that's on us. Like on our own time, we'll go get our shots right. We'll learn how to score, but we have to be able to play defense. Even if we could score 80, but the other team's going to score 150, we're always going to lose. So we went out and got smacked. Yeah, mean, we did. It was like 50 to 8 uh, our first game, um, it was like 62 to f- 19. We were out here, but we were growing, and I'm like super happy about it. And the kids were looking at me like this dude's crazy, but yeah, for some I, reason I feel it too. I
0: have no idea what's going on yeah. as a parent, but I'm like, okay, the, this is really
1: bad. Oh my god! And they're like, the, the kids are buying in. They're like, yeah, let's go defense. And I'm and then I start to look, and I'm showing them like, hey, this team that we held to sixty scores eighty, so like we can't score with them, but we're playing pretty good defense, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, we and there were a lot of them were young. They were like, oh, yeah, they we were, were like 13, 14, 14 playing 15, 15 U. Yeah. And so, you know, we stacked ourselves up against the odds, but we learned so much and I think they grew, like their confidence grew. And that's the hard part of AU, because it's like they learn a little bit about you, then they go back off to their programs mm-hmm. and whatever happens there, happens there. I, I don't really have much control over it. A lot of the kids that I coach, I coach them at Paul Verde. Yeah. So, you know, that's a little bit of consistency that they need Yeah, you need guys stay together life. for yeah.
0: all
1: that time, yeah. Um. But, yeah, being tough. So I, I'm big on a lot of things I learned in the military. Like, I feel like people can use those things, but they don't have to go to the military to get them. Mm-hmm. And so I try my best to give some of those things to the kids, like being mentally tough, uh, not, not worrying about what the other team is saying, not worrying about just there's a job and we have to do this job, you know? It's like very problem solution. That's the military. Yeah, It's cut out all emotion. Mm -hmm. What's the problem, and what do we do? I mean, I'm on a ship. Like, if if there's a hole in a ship, they shut certain doors and leave people in there. I mean, it takes a certain... You have to, or you'll lose the whole ship. So it makes sense, but there's still, like, an emotional... If you're emotional about it, you'll make the wrong decision or maybe take too long. Mm -hmm. And so that's at an extremely high level, and you could still do that at a smaller level with younger kids and with, it's just by showing them, you know, by hey, what's your problem? Why well, I can't shoot? Okay, well, come over here. Let's work on shooting for a little bit. Can you shoot better now? Okay, cool then.
0: Like, or what else can you do yeah, right like, now? Yeah, like well, yeah, you well. know what I
1: mean? Now, it's like okay, so yeah. In the meantime, what can you do? You're quick. Let's use your fast. Let's use your quickness for this. And so I try to dumb the game down a little bit and give them small little tasks that they can feel good at what they're doing. Yes, yes. Now you're mm-hmm. building it. I always talk about raising the bottom. You know. Um, I come from nothing but now it's like oh, okay since then like you know I went from a one bed, like living in a room mm-hmm. with my two to a one bedroom to a two bedroom now I'm moving into a four bedroom house like yeah. thank you know and for the people in my life that are hooking me up and doing all the things so but I've made that journey and so you know sometimes you have to build it and now my bottom is in a good place. Yeah. So it's like raising the bottom, building your skills and knowing when to use them and how to use them and staying true to yourself. So I always call the boys fake tough. They hate it. But it's true. And that's the goes back to the shell I was talking about before. When you're young, you build this shell around you of who you think you need to be. Mm -hmm. And because it's like a survival thing, it's like I'm going out into the world and that's my armor. (laughs) I'm going to put this armor on. And so when I bust that armor with the kids because I tell them, like, I wear it, too, and they watch me take it off. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're a lot alike, you mm-hmm. know? And that's where the real building goes on. Like, I don't wanna build on top of your armor, because when I do, you're gonna take it all off. And then, so it's if, I lost. Take, yeah, yeah. if I take it off and build it underneath your armor, when you put your armor back on, you still have that with you. Yeah. And pretty soon, you, you need less and less and less armor, because your armor's real. And it's part of you, you know? It's like a turtle shell, it's a part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my philosophy for them, is kind of like putting them in situations where, I know that they're going to struggle, but they're going to stick with it and push through. And for that, then they have a track record to look back on. Do you remember? That's why my oh, yeah. motivation is always, do you remember when you did this? Do you remember when we we're here? Look at where we are now. You still feel the same. Yeah. That's the emotion part. It's not working out right now, but it wasn't working out then. We yeah. were flipping out then. But we were scoring eight points. Now we're scoring 60-something, 70-something, and we're still flipping out the same we can. Yeah. It's impossible. You can't, you can't flip out the same. <laughs>
0: well, and we were able to like, so yeah, comparing year one with you guys um, when they were younger and playing mm-hmm. up and getting killed and you're like, okay. And the lesson was, well, for us as parents, it was like, oh, that, that was an intro into what AAU basketball was because right. we had never seen it at that level. Oh, yeah. And then last year, I mean, we struggled just with bodies yeah. initially Um and the first half of the season was kind of like, Okay, but you know, we get a win here and there. But like that second half of the season, I think they started to really be like, Oh yeah. well and also too, I feel like there was a period of like because you have them from different schools, mm-hmm. they gotta reacclimate to each oh, other. Yeah, for and, sure. And there were some newer players, so it was like, oh, well, who can I trust? Yeah, and, for sure. But once that clicked, I yeah. think that's when we got more
1: success. Oh, yeah. Your son was a big part of that. We, we talk about it all the time at Palo Verde. We're just like, remember when Marcos just went off? When he just woke up and went off? And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I remember. Well, but what did you
0: do to Marcos
1: before? <laughs> <You> <laughs> How know. did
0: Marcos wake up? He had to go through some challenges. He had to sit for a little bit. He did. Stew in it and just doing it. But really, that... You had to light his candle. Yeah,
1: Well, and that's, and that's what it is. It's like they don't understand that I still see them the same way. It's their own mind that looks at me and says, he sees me this way now. And I'm like, no, I don't. That's your own thing going mm-hmm. on. I know what you're capable of, and I'm telling you that when you go out there, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I expect you to do because I know you can do it. Just because you're telling yourself that you can't doesn't mean that you can't try. Yeah. And so we could build on that and that's what it was it was like him going out and me saying hey you're going to have to be a little tougher than than what you're used to mm-hmm. because of the you're playing a different position too than you normally do so yeah. these dudes are a little bit bigger i need you to hit them a little earlier i need you to push them out you know and it makes them uncomfortable he's not used to doing that and i'm pulling him out and i'm like you know it is what it is like i got next like there's it's aau there's boys we have bodies they someone else needs the opportunity and um you know, I know he went through it a little bit, and then finally woke up. I, I, we were just talking. Me and uh, KP we were talking about it the other day. We went, we went out, and I think he went up for a rebound with somebody, and the kid like hit the floor hard. You know, and he like looked at him and then walked <laughs> away. And I was like, "Oh, this boy is ready." You know, and it's and it's not that like we we preach like unsportsmanship. You know, or to no, be no, no. But it was just like he he just was in the moment. And it was like the right thing to do. And he just, they understood. And he was like, feeling oh. it. Oh, yeah. and after that, they were feeding him the ball. They're like, that dude's ready to play. And that's what I was trying to tell him before. Like, when you come and you want the ball, there's a big difference in you standing there and you really wanting it. Mm-hmm. And when you do, it's going to find you. And when he, we wouldn't have made it us We made it to the final. There was, like 200 teams there. I know. We made it to the final four. It's nuts. Yeah. You know, that was nuts.
0: But I think too, like, you know, just the culture that you have, the way you are, you're just, you're real Mm -hmm. with them. You don't sugarcoat anything. Um, You're not intimidated. You're super approachable. That's what it is. And it's like, you know, the, you're teaching these kids like they got to advocate for themselves. They got to figure out like, you got to come talk to me and be like, what, what am I doing? What do I got to do? You know? And when they don't, then you're going to make a decision and then they're going to have to figure it out from then. But, um, but no, I mean, you've, I just watched you with all the boys and you know you just have you just have this way and that's why they want to play hard not only for themselves but they want to play hard for you you know yeah. they're like we represent coach and
1: yeah i love that i love that yeah
0: and it's like yeah i mean you got me in there like oh <laughs> me and you know our family mark and i yeah. are just like we're ride or dies with you right right almost fighting with coaches I know. <laughs> or kids yeah, may have been yeah. a kid or two i didn't say anything inappropriate hey, i was called if
1: we turn up we turn up yeah. it's all of us yeah it's I, hilarious.
0: I people forget i'm from the south side as hey. well so um, it's still there but um no so i mean what do you think the future is looking like um with the AU.
1: Yeah. Um, so this year is going to be the first year where I have a 16U and a 15U. Um, and the difference in us is we're we're not going to do tryouts. And I know it sounds crazy. Um, we have enough kids that we know to mm-hmm. give the opportunity to. And, you know, shout out to AZ Unity for allowing us to do so. I mean, they're a new program that's trying to um, – You know, they're trying to take over. They have some really, really good kids. And so here we are at the bottom trying to develop kids under their name. And so the fact that, um, you know, Coach B.J. Fletcher and Coach Boswell gave me that opportunity, um, I would have never even known them if it wasn't for Coach Hood. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the three of those guys giving us the opportunity, um, that's where... It makes it interesting. Because I, I give the fight for the boys because they're not just fighting for me. We represent unity. Yeah. And at the same time, they're giving me the opportunity to develop kids that wouldn't have the opportunities that other kids do. Yeah. And um, those are
0: all Phoenix. So Coach Hood's with RHJ. Yeah. Um, and, and he's with
1: Compass, too. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Compass Prep.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, And those guys are all based out of Phoenix. So yeah, exactly. So they're allowing right Tucson yeah. and Coach Smith right. to kind of right fly a flag for them down here yeah
1: i mean and coach gus is down here running like the middle school mm-hmm. um, az unity and last year we both had like a 50-year team so it's like different than most clubs yeah um but for me I take the opportunity. It's, it's a way for me to reach kids in my community on the east side and mix them with some other kids that don't necessarily have a team to go to. Or, um, you know, like a lot of the Cienega boys, like they ended up like just playing club for the first time. And so we've been a family together. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm grateful for that opportunity. Going forward, the biggest thing for me right now is, is 17U. And That's tough okay. because when the kids get to seventeen, u is when it gets super serious for me. It's like those kids are trying to get offers to go mm-hmm. somewhere, and I can't necessarily like I don't necessarily see myself coaching that high, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird because it's like I'm bringing them up and then giving them to somebody. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like my way of them growing up and graduating from a u program from my a u program and saying. Okay, I really wanna be serious and go on. And yeah. that's the reason why, um yeah, I might have a bunch of people reach out after this, but that's a, that's that's the reason why ours is not as expensive as everybody else. Yeah. You know? Like we, we make the fees to to Unity, but I'm not out there, like you said. Like, I'm not out here to make a bunch of money off of these kids. Like, yeah. I'm out there to give them the opportunity. And so when we charge per tournament or something like that, it's for that opportunity for them to be able to go. And some kids I have, they cannot, mm-hmm. and I come out of pocket for that. Yeah. And so, um, which... I don't complain about it at all because uh, to me, them giving them that opportunity is everything. And You're again, investing in exactly, them. Exactly. And, like, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be around, but they'll always remember those trips that we took. I mean, Absolutely. we went to the beach, and how many kids we have? Like had, three kids had, had never been to never the beach. Been there. And I yeah. was like, wow, oh, no, we're going. It was all freezing. I'm like, oh, we're going it in. It was freezing
0: yeah. and windy, but we <laughs> yeah. were just, yeah, yeah,
1: looking oh, at them like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going. Of, we're and I'm like, this you have experience to. for them. I'll never forget that. Trey was like, oh, I got the salty part. I'm like, bro, the whole ocean is salty. That was, like, my favorite. He's like, oh, was your? did you get that salt? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, like, those are, are bigger than anything, and that's yeah. why I don't attach money to that. I understand the importance of, um, you know, without it, we wouldn't be able to do certain things. But, you know, and that's why I do things like this, to get out there and see if there's anybody that's willing to, to reach out and help us with opportunities for kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, um, yeah, we're not traditional no, we're not. in, like, a lot of um, club programs. Um we, we, we can't make ever, it work yeah we like it and work. it's i mean and i'm saying we now like i'm no you know. <laughs> you're in there
1: if it wasn't for you i'd be like
0: <laughs> sometimes i'm the mama but <laughs> yeah, yes but um and i think too like we we have similar experiences and and backgrounds mm-hmm. of not having a lot not coming from yeah. a lot initially and stuff so i see a lot of those kids too of like i i was that kid yeah. you know i my mom couldn't afford when I wanted to be in gymnastics, yeah. you know. At, hey, shout at out to El your Pueblo, mom. At El Pueblo. I couldn't take those classes. Cause, shout man. out
1: to your mom. She slid, like, all the boys, like, envelopes with, like, $20 in them. And that was, like, the best thing they ever They are like, we get to pick. Let's go. Yeah. You know, and then us trying to teach them how to stretch it out.
0: Yeah, for and sure. It, like, definitely life lessons in it, there. Yeah, and and definitely, like, acts of giving. Like, I know my parents, you know. They paid it for. They're paying it forward. I'm gonna pay it forward because yeah. somebody took care of me right. at one point too. They right. couldn't travel with me all the time, Right. you know.
1: Yeah, and I think that's huge. I mean, it shows the kids, and like, and that's what makes us family too. Even our travel is family. I mean, I got my boys reposting your boys stuff from Cienega, and like, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like, yeah, we are family. We stick together, and I think those things are important because they're gonna go off into the world and and hopefully remember some of those things and you know give back also because they yeah. understand. You they're know, so remember I think that's huge. Things. I think that. That, I mean, what more can you ask for? Like them to go on and take some of these things that we think are, are huge. Yeah, because unfortunately, pass basketball forward.
0: is going to end Yeah, at some point. Right. But right. like our family at least feels just appreciative that we were able to be part of the story,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, um, not only just from our own kid playing, but like those boys are like my boys. Yeah. Like yeah. I am very attached yeah. to them. I mean, so many, spent so many times in the car with them or just in the hotel messing around. Yeah, sure. They're just, they're good kids. Right. But OK, so before we end and I give you, um, you know, my last question that I ask all my guests, um, I'm going to take some time to give you your flowers. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know what that means, <laughs> um, basically, you know, when someone is gone and mm-hmm. passes away, we tend to talk about all the great things about that person. Um, well, giving someone their flowers is when you're giving them to them now. They're, you know, they are here. And since you coach her right directly across from me and I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Um, no, I just want to say, you know, I think you're in a truly amazing human being. You put so much great energy and positivity into the world and you just have a knack for working with kids that have their own set of challenges, whether that's socioeconomic or familial or just kids struggling with self-confidence, you um, so I just want to tell you, I appreciate your presence in the world because your presence is impactful.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay, I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> so um, so I usually ask my guests, how do you see your gifts or your skills benefiting the greater collective? But I want to reword it because I feel like that the way I word it kind of might be a little like confusing or like too. I don't know, to (laughs) woo-woo. But how will the things you bring to the world basically help the world?
1: Man, so I feel like, again, going back to my start and my purpose and why I'm here comes, everything comes from my mother. And the things that she gave me, um, and I think earlier on I said, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, You know, she was a super people person. She did a lot. And later suffered from depression, didn't leave the house, um, took pills, you know, and not like they were prescribed, but it was like it still changes who you are. Mm -hmm. And so watching her kind of deteriorate in front of me um, was a huge eye-opening thing because she was the strongest person that I knew and dealt with people that were going through so much. And she allowed it to kind of get to her and kind of take her out of the game. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things um, that don't, they don't bother me emotionally. Like death, I look at death different. It's like the ultimate the end.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I'm un, as not as affected by it as other people. And it allows me to stay in the game. Um, the moments when I have to take time to myself and stay in the home, just like she did. I'm like her. I stay, you know, I stay at home. I go through my whatever negative thoughts and then I bounce back and my ability to reset um kind of motivate other people that's the one thing she could do no matter she could do it from her rocking chair at home doing nothing people would be around her for five minutes and they leave feeling better Mm -hmm. and I'm like you can't do that for yourself yeah and um so all the things that she taught me on how to motivate people to get the best out of themselves is something that I take um, as, like, my calling of being here.
2: Yeah. And
1: because people with the right push can do amazing things. And and it's weird, I guess, to hear you say that what I do is amazing. Um, but I'm looking at trying to get them to, you know, do amazing things. And sometimes it's just living your life. A lot of, a lot of us feel like we're, you know, stuck because of where we come from. And, and you're not at all. All of our answers come from within. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing I try to, I think, that I want to leave behind when I'm no longer here, that those kids can look inside themselves and know I got the answers to this somewhere in here. Yeah. And I feel like if you can do that, then it'll keep you in the game longer. Um, when I first started coaching, I had a kid, one kid. So my first year, a kid, you know, passed away to gun violence. The next year, a kid, you know, committed suicide. Um, the next year, a kid, like, did a home invasion and was shot by some lady. Um, and so, like, with all that being around me, it's like, I just want to reach the kids and let them know, like, early on, you can make decisions that will change your life forever. It, I was able to do it at a decent age. You know, I'm about to be 40, so I'm going to be 38 in, like, February 7th, a couple weeks from now. And, um, but I didn't have, I didn't make these changes until way later, and mm-hmm. so in high school, when I see them get it or, you know, even when they're 19, you look at, you know, Amari coming back and he's like 19 and full of life. And I'm like, I love this dude because I remember him at 15 and how down he felt. And he, this kid has been through some things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so when when I when I think about it, I think those things are what, what's important because helping people, people, again, people always be the biggest asset. And you can't help them if you're not in the game. And so my mom... Um, passing away kind of gave me the extra jolt that I needed to remind me uh when I need to keep going also Mm -hmm. but it's like a built-in spark plug that I got now and so even then I have those negative thoughts um do you you even talking about being on here it's like oh lord I'm nervous (laughs) Uh, you know I, I was on I, I never even mentioned that. We we're, were talking ended, about before, yeah, yeah no. like, you know, I was, on, I was on David Letterman as a 10-year-old from Punching That Robber. I went to David Letterman and Maury Povich, like, I, it's not something I thought I would ever do, it's not something I wanted to do, but I made it through that. But even now, I, I look at those things, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is, this is like, you know, super nerve-wracking, but it pushes me through to do it. And so, you know, I thank you for, for having me out here, because it push me past the hump to mm-hmm. to get out here and open up to more people. And, you know, you never know who's going to hear it. So no, I mean, it's and that's interesting.
0: That's the whole point, yeah. you know, of the podcast was, you know, just for me to bring people's stories to life. Yeah. Like, I don't want to tell the stories. I want that you guys to tell your stories. And even if it resonates with one person, right. like, I love, I love it did something. Like, I, I helped pull something out of somebody put it in the universe it connected with somebody else because we're all connected oh yeah for sure and i know yours is going to connect with a lot more than just one pe- one <laughs> person but
3: I but yeah so. i mean
0: so. your your story is amazing you know you your energy like i said in, in the intro you know you just have an energy you draw people in it sounds like your mom you know you got yeah. that from your mom um and you're just continuing to reach maybe a lot more kids at People think aren't reachable yeah. anymore. And I think I definitely, you know, respect that because I see you that you're just going to have a bigger impact, especially for kids who think they're not seen or given up on. Right. And um, if you can, like you say, teach those lessons and skills for them to be self sufficient and look within themselves, and they come to a point where they're like, I don't.
3: Don't we don't have to anybody. ask Coach yeah. Anthony what the answer is because yeah, I already awesome. know it. Yeah, you know?
0: Sure. Um, then I mean that that's a that's a huge that's a huge um I don't wanna say impact anymore, but yeah, it's just huge. Yeah. <laughs> so um well I wanna thank you for taking your time. I know um well first of all, you're like the first male guest. <laughs> and now this isn't gonna probably be the longest podcast hey, <laughs> we're over is. an hour we're almost at an hour and a half oh. but it was good combo. um so i want to thank you for taking your time i know it's mlk tournament day and you want to yeah. go catch some some yeah, games i, gotta, I got some scouting at, to do at, like, <laughs> hey, well, i know i was like what, what's the 130 game you're going to yeah so um i appreciate you taking the time to come out here and and be uncomfortable oh, no, and be you. vulnerable um Because that's also important, too, to let people know that it's okay to do those things. Definitely. And talk about and and reflect. You know, apparently you you needed some time to come and
1: reflect. So I thank you for that. Thank you for that. I need it. I need it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. And special thanks to Diverse City for my theme music. If you like what you hear, please follow me on my Instagram at Life and Define Podcast. Thank you for listening and see you next time.